Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And one of the most popular memorization verses is Romans 12, 1 and 2. The importance for the follower of Jesus living his or her life in a sacrificial manner is very important. If we want to see spiritual growth in our life, we have to learn to sacrifice. And sacrificing to the gods has been happening for thousands of years. Everyone's made up their own gods, and they have some sort of sacrificial system that tries to appease that god. However, in the scriptures, we have a more clear understanding of the purpose of sacrifice. It's not to appease a god. It's to show the creator god that we are serious about obeying his commands. We want to live our lives in faithfulness to what he has called us to do. Since Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial requirements of the Old Testament permanently, animal or grain sacrifices are no longer necessary, but now we are commanded to live a life of sacrifice. And I believe that's where most believers have difficulty. And this is not because it's complicated. Rather, it's difficult because we tend to be selfish and follow the world's philosophy of getting something in return when we give something. So Paul addresses this to the church at Rome, who he sent this letter to, by commanding them to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. You don't die. You don't sacrifice yourself on an altar like the old sacrifices. No, this is different. This is because we love God and we are going to do what he says even if we don't get anything in return. And this is unlike the sacrifices in the Old Testament where a person just simply brought their best animal from their flock and they presented it at the tabernacle and it was required. The opening chapter of the book of Leviticus, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. So the sacrifice was to be taken seriously, and this criteria would fall by the wayside in time as the Israelites basically walked away from God at different points in their history. And this really irritated God. And in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, he addresses this. God is rebuking Israel again, and he says in Malachi 1, verse 6, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. And this is talking to the priests, the leaders. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised when you offer blind animals in a sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those who are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? So they're bringing in the worst. They look at their flock and say, we need to do a sacrifice because it's part of the law. And they say, well, take that old lame one over there. You know, we're not going to miss that. Actually does us good. We don't have to feed it then. And God rebuked him for it. But that's exactly what we can do when we stop offering our lives as a living sacrifice. We play games with God and we want to hold the best for ourselves thinking it's ours. So why can't I enjoy it? It's mine. I worked hard for whatever it is that I have that I don't want to sacrifice. And after all, God really doesn't need it. It's not that big a deal. And we don't even realize that God is not focused on our sacrifice. Rather, he's focusing on our heart and our obedience. 
in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen rather than the fat of rams. And we can do the same thing when we get our eyes off Jesus and onto the things of this world. In Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So write this on the bathroom mirror with a dry erase marker. This is a big one if you haven't memorized this. And let's break down this verse piece by piece and let the Holy Spirit convict each one of us. The world is society without God, and I believe that even extends to the churches ran by human wisdom rather than divine inspiration, where prayer and obeying the scriptures is neglected. I've seen that, man. It's like, whoa. I've been to different places, and I'm looking at the way things are done, and people are telling me how it's ran. I'm like, where's Jesus in any of this? Society as a whole mocks the idea of being a slave to God, rather promoting that we are the master of our own destiny, which seems to work for some until something bad happens. And submission to God, or quote-unquote religion, is often thought by many as a crutch for the weak. And as we who know Jesus say, it's not a crutch, it's a gurney, meaning that in Christ we must totally rely on Him to carry us on that difficult path that He has called us to walk, because in our own strength, we can't do it. A crutch is something that aids us in our own strength. A gurney is something that you can't do it at all. That's our relationship with God, relying on Him completely. And we as humans are designed to depend upon God, our designer and our creator. Otherwise, we're left to our own intellect, perspectives, biases, comprehension, etc. to exist on this planet. And in case anyone hasn't noticed, humanity has had a hard time creating any kind of peace and harmony on planet Earth. We can't seem to stay out of wars. We trash the environment so we can have what we want, not caring about where it came from or where it goes when we throw it away. We seem to have no real hesitation to hate others. We are anything but sexually pure. 14 million people between the ages of 14 and 26 in the U.S. contracting at least one sexually transmitted disease or infection every year. That says something. And the list goes on, demonstrating that humanity is really screwed up. And the reason we're screwed up is that we refuse to operate according to our own design. We are designed to be at peace with God to obey God, to walk down that path that he has given us. When we do that, we become peaceful people, people full of peace. When we don't do that, our peace is gone. God's designed humanity to glorify him and his creation. Mankind, however, has its own ideas about how to do things, and that's why we're so messed up. And this is what the Bible refers to as the world, or we may say worldliness, being in that mindset where I'm not worried about God. I want to do what the world's doing. I want to follow the world's lead. So operating outside the power and truth of God doesn't work. We are commanded not to be conformed to this world because the world doesn't understand the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And they certainly don't understand the gift of the Holy Spirit empowering us to be witnesses, so they think we're foolish. And that's written in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You can't discern spiritual things without a spiritual connection. And that's what God's Spirit is all about. So expect people to look at you weird when you're telling them things like, you know, I'm waiting on direction from the Lord to move ahead on this decision. Or I want to do this thing, but the Lord's like, not yet. Or something like that. You know, anything. They're like, what What are you talking about? They don't get it. Or more accurately stated, they don't got it, the Holy Spirit. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. 
by the renewal of your mind. Transformed. It's the caterpillar and the butterfly example. The word metamorphose. It's you're being changed into something completely different. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm no longer my own. I'm different. I have Christ dwelling in me. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's the transformation. And if this hasn't happened in a believer's life, there's a problem, a big problem. You need to be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. So God renews our minds to now think back to the way it was supposed to think. Our mind is different now when Christ is in us. He's pushing us back to that innocence. He's pushing us back to that impressionable mind. You think about a baby. Their minds are so impressionable. And I have seen more than my fair share of terrible parents who totally screwed up their kids, some of them in church as well as many great parents who have launched their kids into adulthood with what they needed to become contributors to society. And it became obvious that the child's mind in the beginning was a sponge. And the information that was put into that sponge influenced that child for the rest of their lives. So when our minds are becoming renewed, because often we resist the process, which prolongs the whole renewal, God will supernaturally flush our minds and begin pouring in holiness, because the mind is the battlefield. And Jesus said he searches the heart's and the minds. So the things in our head are the things that are going to be judged, and that's scary. So we need to pursue this renewed mind. Ephesians 4.21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There you go. You're putting off that old and you're putting on the new. We're being renewed. So back to Romans 12 too, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. First Thessalonians 5.21, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. First John 4.1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. So what is the will of God? Well, our function in this life is to follow the Lord. And by these things previously listed, we can better understand what is the will of God. We need to test everything. We need to discern. We need to be wise. People say, I have a blind faith. That means you're stupid. You need to know why you believe and what your faith is in. And we test all these things. We test our own beliefs. We test our own doctrines. We listen to other people on the radio. And we're like, what they said, is that true? So we get in and we test and we do our homework. And we come to that understanding that, okay, this is where I land on this issue. And when we can understand to some degree the will of God for our lives, that's when we exercise our faith and obey his will and see the power of God unleashed in our lives. And this is the power we need to function as followers of Jesus. If we're relying on our own strength, we're missing everything. But when we are following Jesus, we realize that a life of sacrifice is not only glorifying to God, it's also what makes us understand the scriptures a whole lot better. They begin to make more sense when that supernatural power of God is operating in us and through us. So then we don't have to rely on some Bible teacher's thoughts on certain things. We go straight to the Lord. We pray about it. We read his word. And many times we can find the answer by simply reading the word and taking it at face value. So when we read in Genesis 1-1, the opening verses of the scriptures, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when some so-called Christian denounces this, we are already understanding the power of God that is in me and that that power is unlimited. 
So creating the heavens and the earth with God's designed blueprints for everything is no longer questionable. I know God. I have his Holy Spirit in me, so I can trust his word. And I'm discerning those things. If something's wrong in my life, the Holy Spirit nails me because I'm open to that. And I get that all the time. Therefore, I don't need to spend countless hours reading articles for or against the literal six-day creation and one day of rest in Genesis. All I have to do is say, Lord, this is what your word says. I'm taking it at face value. I know that you are the creator of heaven and earth and all that is in them because I know you and I have peace. And that peace is what allows me to put up with a lot of these people that are bad-mouthing the scriptures, that are bad-mouthing God. My peace is in the fact that I know him and they're blind And I understand there's a lot of questions about him. There's a lot of things that people want to know. Why does God allow such bad things to happen? Because the devil runs this world. That's the biblical answer. Do you take that literally? The devil is running planet Earth. And if you don't believe that, flip on the news. Back to sacrificing. It is a blessing and a way of life. God will never allow us to give more than he gives to us. That's not the way he rolls. When we sacrifice, our eyes are opened further and we see the work of God being accomplished in our lives. And that's the purpose of living a life of sacrifice. We want to see God moving. We want to see him glorified. Thank you.